The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Orangutans, like, they were, like, pretty cool animals. They kind of became our favourite animals and then we didn't really like the idea that their homes were being destroyed. That's Hannah. She's 13 and she lives in Auckland, as does her friend Maya, who's also 13. We kind of just wanted to, like, help the orangutans because we like them so much, so we thought we'd um, do something. Why do you like them so much? They're quite human-like. Yeah, and they're really smart too. We're talking about orangutans because we're talking about palm oil. About kind of sad because there's like, if palm oil was like the only option, it would kind of be like, well, we've got to use it. But there's like loads of others, like alternative stuff you can put in instead. But palm oil's the cheapest. You probably know about palm oil and about the threat it poses to rainforests and to the animals that live in them. It's a complex issue in some ways. There's sustainable palm oil, so yes, it's not all palm oil, and there are no doubt trade-offs involved. If we stop using palm oil, what will take its place? But just because it's complex doesn't mean we can't do anything. Consumer change, often thanks to children, is starting to have an effect. So when I was talking to your mum, she said that you were the person who really drove the changes that that you guys made as a family around palm oil. What did you do? We went on to the Auckland Zoo website and they've got like lots and lots of documents about like what kind of foods are palm oil and what kind of foods to avoid. And so, yeah, then we just stopped buying those brands was it a big change for your family? Like, did it mean you had to give up anything you were used to buying? Well, mum likes baking, but a lot of the time she doesn't like baking. And so we would buy store-bought cookies a lot and then um, we'd have to change that. And so mum started baking a lot more and so did I because all the store-bought cookies would have palm oil in them or palm oil extracts and stuff. Were you surprised when you saw the list of foods that have palm oil? Yeah, I thought I definitely thought that was going to be like a couple of foods, but then we went to the supermarket and we were trying to look for a cookie packet and all of them had palm oil and we were like, damn it. It's worth remembering just how all-pervasive it has become as a product. And quite a lot of toothpaste has it too. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, eh? Yeah, basically every toothpaste and a lot of shampoos and soap and everything has palm oil. But even if we know all this about palm oil, it's still harder to make an informed choice than you might think. So many different names. The, the most common is vegetable, um, vegetable fat. 
actually well like oh, yeah. vegetable oil but that's only with numbers next to it but yeah. vegetable fat's a big one and then there's loads that you'll see in soap and stuff like fancy ways to say palm oil like but palm most of them oil. have some about palm most of them are pretty obvious and where's vegetable oil if it says like if it has like brackets and then like there's like a couple of numbers mainly in the 400s that mean that it's actually palm oil so it gets annoying when you're shopping <laughs> I'm Noelle McCarthy, and in this episode of Good Ancestors, we're talking about the campaign against unsustainable palm oil and how it shows that consumer power can make a difference. But as Hannah and Maya found, it isn't as easy as it looks. Ben Dowdell was in year 11 at Pakaranga High School when he heard a talk at Auckland Zoo about unsustainable palm oil and decided to do something about it. It all sounded very simple and we just sort of thought that would go through the food technology pantry and say, yes, that's good, that's sustainable, or no, that's not using sustainable palm oil, so let's not have that. Uh, and within the first five minutes, we realised that without uh, labelling, we couldn't actually do that, because in New Zealand and Australia, you can label palm oil generically as vegetable oil. We thought it would be very easy to change this policy, because surely if... Uh, the minister can't know that this is happening because surely if they did know this, they'd just change it straight away. Uh, and so we started Unmasked Palm Oil and we worked with Auckland Zoo uh, to run a very small campaign at first. They started a petition at school and then at a few more schools. We were a few months in before the minister came back and sort of said, well, we actually uh, we know about this and we're not going to change it. And that's when the campaign sort of started to get a little bit bigger and bigger and more Auckland schools were getting involved. We still had no idea about the actual process for this at the, at the point. We didn't know that uh, Australia um, had to be involved in, in changing uh, our labelling. And so we were very New Zealand focused. And we went out to New Zealand political parties and New Zealand First was actually the first to come back and say that they were going to support it. And the Greens and the Māori Party came on soon after and were in discussions with National and the Māori Party. That was more than seven years ago. Ben said that while they got skilled enough at handling media that it became politically impossible for MPs to ignore them, the bureaucratic process slowed any momentum for change. So we would be campaigning up into a meeting and then it turns out that it's been delayed by six months. They're still taking it through the process, and it definitely is advancing. As far as we know, it's uh, very likely to proceed. But it's enormously frustrating how slow these changes take. It's coming up on uh, 10 years since uh, the first initial recommendation came through, uh, and just how slowly and how much research and engagement they need to do uh, to make what is a very simple change that has been done around the world. It's hard not to hear an echo of climate change in action. Meanwhile, the world gets bleaker in real time. I remember doing a, a media interview at Auckland Zoo towards the end of the campaign and we sort of got off camera and Kate from Auckland Zoo said to me, oh, there's just something you got wrong. Um, you see that there's uh, 350 Sumatran tigers left in the wild. And I said, yeah, that's true. And she said, no, that was true two years ago. Now it's 
250 or something. Happily, the estimated number of Sumatran tigers living in the wild is more like 400. But Ben's point stands. Their numbers are diminishing right before our eyes. Amy Robbins is the team leader of primates at Auckland Zoo, where she works closely with orangutans. There's so many things that make them incredible, but for me, I love the challenge of working with them. They are so tricky and so complex, and they all have these individual personalities that you have to cater for. It's just like, it's like kids at home. Through her wild work in Sumatra, Amy's seen the destruction that palm oil brings and what that means for orangutans there. So forest is cleared, orangutans obviously need forest. Often there'll be a bounty kind of put on an orangutan because they're seen as an agricultural pest because they're trying to get to these isolated fragments of forest and they have to cross through oil palm. Um, And so they're seen as a pest or people are fearful of them. And so often they are killed or they're harmed in really horrendous ways and I've seen some hideous, hideous things. Babies are taken from mothers and kept as pets, um, so that's kind of a byproduct of this as well. Amy says that while the situation is bad and getting worse, there's a process of change slowly gathering momentum. The palm oil industry is expanding um, kind of exponentially, but what I do see is that um, a lot more of the local communities are um, becoming less tolerant of environmental destruction and the environmental impact and they really want to make a difference and they want to they want an alternative they don't want to work in palm oil um, they want to find other ways and so just connecting more and more with these people and, and these networks that I have that's what impacts me probably the most is is the impact it has on these people's lives because these people are my friends and you know they've got families with kids like I do and they're, they're trying to not only make a living but just trying to survive in a landscape that's dwindling and, and in this horrendous monoculture. But but I am also connected in networks with organisations that are doing some incredible work and so there's a lot of hope um, and there's also you know this increasing kind of push and drive towards sustainable palm oil from consumers outside of Indonesia that has really started to take off recently. New Zealand and Australia still lag embarrassingly behind the rest of the world. More than 90% of New Zealanders want mandatory palm oil labelling. We still don't have it. But Ben Dowdell says that doesn't mean that nothing has changed. Every meeting I went into with a company that didn't care about palm oil, they'd be able to tell me how many customers had rang them up uh, talking about palm oil. It was usually zero. Going into companies where they were making a huge change on palm oil was usually because people had been ringing them and saying, we care about this and I'm not going to buy your product otherwise. Uh, So I have a huge amount of hope for how much impact that customers and uh, people can have politically. You know, it might not feel like it in that, you know, change is always very slow, but I have seen uh, that when pressure is applied and people refuse to take no for an answer from, from politicians and from companies and so on, that things do change. The experience of Hannah and Maya suggests that the message is getting through. It feels bad because our generation and the future generation will kind of have a stink world and they're like, it's kind of our fault. Yeah, just want to make it nicer for the future. <laughs> do you guys feel like there are things you can do? Well, 
sort of. We have done some fundraising and things um, for orangutans and palm oil and stuff. Yeah, but you kind of need lots of people because the brand will actually notice that people have stopped buying their product because of palm oil. can't just really be like a handful of people. It's kind of got to be a lot. So kind of need more and more people to start going palm oil free so it would work a lot better. We've emailed a couple of um, places that put palm oil in and it's kind of interesting because at the start when we went palm oil free, most of the things that we bought would have palm oil so we had to change a lot. But now when I look at the packets and went back to it, quite a few things that I had to stop eating are actually okay now. So some things are changing but not that much. Ben Dowdle has moved on. After a scholarship took him to study in China, he's working in London these days. But he says one of the things he learned with the Unmask Palm Oil campaign was that New Zealand's democracy, even if it can be infuriatingly slow, is open and that politicians find it very hard to say no to idealistic young people. And he believes that while it might be small, this country's identity as a progressive outlier on issues from women's suffrage to being nuclear free, give it a powerful platform when it comes to climate change. As a percentage, our emissions are below 1% of, of, of global emissions. But we have this incredible potential to stand up on the world stage and demand action and lead action and not underestimate how powerful New Zealand is globally. Everybody in London and foreigners in China all knew Jacinda's story and the fact that she'd had a baby in Parliament and what that had done for you know women's issues and so on and uh, they were almost able to quote her more than I was able to. So these stories do go global and people still do know us as the clean green country uh, that's very very far away and, and we really can make a difference and stand up on the world stage and it might not be making a difference through our own actions but by through influence and showing people the way. In the next episode, we'll talk about what that kind of leadership looks like, both here in New Zealand and on the world stage. Good Ancestors was produced by me, Noel McCarthy and John Daniel for Bird of Paradise Productions in association with Auckland Zoo, engineered by Andre Upston and hosted on The Spin-Off. Kia ora e te iwi, te Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.